God bless you, and on behalf of World Harvest Ministries, I'd like to welcome you, and thank you so much for tuning in. In today's message, Brother Marty speaks on Enoch, the seventh from Adam. And in this sermon, we look at the book of Jude, and we see the prophecy contained in this book, and how there's a day of rest coming for God's people. Now, we hope this word awakens you and deepens your understanding in God's word. And as the Bible says, he who has an ear, let him hear to what the Spirit of God is saying. Now let's tune in to today's message. Makes me happy. <laughs> Hallelujah. He got baptized in the River Jordan. They said when they showed up that uh, Michael and my daughter wrote me and said when we showed up, there wasn't anybody around except for one man, a Spaniard. He was the only person there, she said. And they went up to him, and, and I guess he spoke English because he ended up telling them, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And he says, why are you here? He says, I want to be baptized. He says, well, I can baptize you. I'm a preacher, you know. And I believe he was an angel, man. I don't know. Uh, there was nobody around, she said, except for that one man from Spain who just happened to be a preacher and baptized him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So later, I get another text from a friend of ours who saw what he posted on social media. He sent his picture all over the place, <laughs> holding a certificate, I got baptized in the Jordan River. And then underneath, he said something along these lines that I've given my heart to the Lord and I will serve him with all my night for the rest of my life. Yes, That's my son-in-law. So watch out, devil. I got two son-in-laws full of the Holy Ghost now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. So I shared that to say, keep praying, because there's nothing impossible for God. If you knew my son-in-law, you would think there's no possible way this guy is ever going to get right with God. <laughs> and not that he's a bad guy. He's just crazy, man. <laughs> but now he's crazy for Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you happy to be here tonight? Yeah. All right, let's get in the word because I have something. I wish there was more people here, but I'm glad you're here. And we are, we are going to give you something. And remember, we're recording this for worldwide distribution. And so I'm happy you're here, and I'm glad for those of you who are here. But I also know that God was dealing with a whole bunch of people today, and they just didn't come. Some might straggle in in a minute or two. But this is the condition of the church. And really, I harbor no you know, ill will. I know people got stuff to do. But if you don't have anything better to do than watch TV, why are you not here? This reveals the level of the hunger or lack thereof of where we are in the body of Christ. Because God is moving. And he is amongst us. We have experienced. I heard two young men got baptized in the Holy Spirit this morning right here. When's the last time we saw that in any of our churches? Huh? God is moving. Then the night before last, when the presence of God flooded this place, we had visitors from all over. And the whole church just went into like a revival, man. I mean, it was a real move of the Spirit as people began to pray and cry and weep and laugh. I mean, God came down in a mighty way. And then last night, the whole church was full. And we announced, I wouldn't miss our services. 
And so here we are, right? But I'm glad you're here because you're going to hear some things tonight. Those of you listening around the world by the internet, you're going to hear some things that will bless you, I pray. And, and I pray that you would be strengthened, encouraged, and blessed by the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Let's, let's get into the word. If you have your Bibles, would you open them, please, to the book of St. Jude? The book of St. Jude. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's the last book before the book of Revelation. It's a tiny little book. <laughs> but it is filled with tremendous tremendous declaration by the Spirit of God. The Lord woke me up early this morning Amen. and began to pour this into my heart. And I think I, I was really excited as the day went on because I knew what you all were going to hear. And I ask you to be praying and to be listening with your spirit. Can you say amen? Yeah. Let's read... Beginning with the 14th verse. Are you there? And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, he prophesied of these, saying, the Lord is coming with ten thousands of his saints. That's just the way the Bible talks about an innumerable host. Un, you can't measure them. You can't count how many there are. But he's coming. He says, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord is coming with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. His judgment is coming upon all, but his wrath is coming upon the list we just read. And it's interesting at the end there, you hear that, what he says and to judge all those who have spoken or rail against him. Let's pray. If I have a title for this message tonight, it's called Enoch, the seventh from Adam. Enoch, the seventh from Adam. Heavenly Father, let's pray. Church, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your peace. We love you with all of our heart, and we give you praise. We are grateful, O oh Father, for the church you have gathered here this evening, for they have been appointed to hear this word. We ask of thee, O oh Holy Spirit, also that you would comfort those and anoint those around the world that are listening by way of the Internet to hear what thus saith the Lord. I ask that you would stop the ears of those who are not walking right with you and open the ears of those who love you. 
that we might know, O Father, the time in which we are living. For as the angel declared to the prophet Daniel, none of the wicked will understand, but the wise shall understand. Therefore, Father, we ask that you would anoint us with that spirit of skill and understanding and wisdom tonight in thy word. We ask that you would lift us, O Father, between the realm of this natural state into the realm of the spirit where you instruct your prophets, where you speak by your spirit, and where you carry us by thy spirit in the visions of God. I ask that every person within the sound of my voice, both here and around the world, would be caught up, O Lord, and confronted by the truth of thy word. And Lord, we thank you that the enemy has been defeated absolutely 100% unequivocally destroyed by the power and the blood and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Holy Father, we give you praise and thanks and ask now that you would open doors of utterance for us that we might speak the gospel as we should and we will always give you the glory for you and you alone are worthy to be praised. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. <clears throat> the Bible tells us that just prior to the children of Israel being set free from Egypt, that a series of events began to take place as God sent Moses into Egypt, who is a type or a prefigured the Lord Jesus Christ. The appointed time had arrived for God's people to be delivered from Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. Egypt is the place of bondage. And there is a Pharaoh who ruled over Egypt who is a type of the devil. Now God breaks into Moses' life after he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert, wandering. It is very unique and interesting to me because it has applications to our day because understand this, that Moses had the call of God on his life, as you do, church. And he began as an infant protected by God, placed in an ark, put on the Nile River, it wasn't some nice pleasure cruise. There was crocodiles everywhere. There was crazy people everywhere. But when God's hand begins to move, he always protects his purpose. Think about how great God is in that in this absolutely demon-possessed, controlled Egyptian world with a pharaoh who thinks he's a god, and children being cast into the real river Nile and killed and destroyed by his edict, God puts Moses in the very river where all the babies are being killed. And he knows how to protect his purpose. He knows how to guard and protect his will. For he would send Moses knowing that it is, check this out, it's God that controls the flow of all things. For on that river, he guided that little boat all the way down the river and just happened to have an angel blow on it, and it ended up coming up near the shore where Pharaoh's daughter was bathing. My God. Hallelujah. And so 
he gives the baby favor and he's brought into the house of Pharaoh. And there he's raised. This is awesome to me. Because he's raised in the very palace where he will bring down the judgment of God upon the world. God always has a witness. And even though you can't see it, because check this out, he was moving in the courts of Pharaoh, but all the people out in Egypt doing the work of the Pharaoh, they didn't know there was a baby that had just been delivered into the court of Egypt. Just as they didn't know when Jesus was born. The same pattern was playing out when Herod tried to kill all the babies. Remember? He tried to kill all the babies. It's the same devil filling the same ungodly people. But the Lord was protected again by the will of God. Now, in that, when Moses grows up and he flees Egypt, the Bible tells us that he... He be, check this out. Oh, this is cool to me. Let me just talk about this. He is able to move in situations and cause people to do his will even when they don't know he's doing. They're doing his will. Amen. Huh? Like, like the brother at the Jordan River today. I know he's a man of God because he's just standing around going, why do you want me standing here, Lord? And here comes crazy old Willem. Baptize me, man. <laughs> Are you awake? Yes. Yeah. I'll preach to the angels and the children. Amen. So, so he doesn't, she doesn't know, but she's being caused to do God's will. And then he puts upon her an idea they realize this is a Hebrew child. And even though the law was destroy him, she defied the law. And then says, who can take care of this baby? He needs to be fed. And out from the bushes comes the Holy Spirit in the form of Miriam. Huh? She says, I know somebody. Hallelujah. And it was Moses' mother. My God. If you're willing to give up that precious thing, God will bring it back to you. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> if, you, if you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for God and for the kingdom of heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ, you will find it. That's the gospel. Hallelujah. And then Moses is nursed by his godly mother. Hallelujah. And grows up. He begins to be prayed over and prayed over. And, and the Bible tells us he grows up then in the very court of Pharaoh. He's educated in all the things of Egypt. And Stephen testified no one could speak like him. And no one was more smart than he was. But remember when we're at the burning bush that he tells God, I can't talk. I'm not a very good speech maker. Ah, but now he was qualified, see. Because God doesn't need our strength. He wants to be our strength. You didn't hear what I said. You are not going to be able to 
abide in this hour in your strength. And that's what's been happening in many people around the world's lives, in the church's lives. We've wondered for 40 years, which is the number of testing, so to speak, what is going on? And we have been pressed beyond measure, even as Moses was, in that he wandered the desert and long ago almost probably forgot that he had been promised that he was the deliverer of Israel. His purpose was sidetracked in order that all the emotional baggage and self-reliance could be taken out of him. He took him out of the world and put him in the middle of the desert to take the world out of him. Ah, you didn't hear what I said. Mm -hmm. That's why when you look at some people, you wonder, they know God. What, why are they acting that way? You better not touch them. You better pray for them. Because you never know what God might be doing. He's removing things. And who are we to question God how he does it? In the end, it shall be seen. Now, Moses, at the, at the bush, he's commissioned to go because there was an appointed time for the people of God to be delivered. Now, as our brother preached last night, he said this, and he quoted rightfully out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe it is, where he said, all the things that happened to them in the past were examples to us. Yeah. Upon what? We whom the ends of the world have come. So he said, in essence, he gives us a key and says, look to these, these truths and the historical prophetic pattern will begin to re be realized as you realize that the same thing that God revealed in the beginning is that which will expand unto the ends of the earth at the end of time. Now listen. <clears throat> he, says, he says to him, now's the time, go. I believe... The angels are saddling up the horses right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe the Bible describes the horses as they're getting ready to have battle, that they paw at the ground, and that their nose flares, and that they rattle under their armor. They know. They, they don't run from the battle. They run to the battle. Hallelujah. What do you think the heavenly horses of Jesus are like? They've been waiting and waiting and waiting. I know we're getting close. And I believe the decree is getting ready to be sounded. Go and tell the devil, let my people go. And so Moses goes and God gives him a series of ten Ten utterances, ten plagues that would come upon the world. And one of them was darkness. A darkness, the Bible says, that could literally be felt. And as the Lord told me today, he says, my people sense the darkness. The whole world tonight, they feel like something's coming. They can't put their finger on it. But no matter where you go in the world, there is turmoil. There is persecution. There is degradation and violence. There is, there is in the West, an unleashing of ungodly filth 
that is rising and seeking to impose its will on everybody. I saw a film today of one of those, you know, drag queen goes to the library and reads the story. After they read, he reads the story or it reads the story, he gets up on the table and he starts dancing like, like one of them crazy women in those bars, you know, the strippers. He starts dancing like that in front of a whole bunch of children. Their parents are clapping. And then they, then they ended up giving dollar bills to their sons and daughters and telling them to take it to them and put it in his garter belt. In America! Are you awake? And so it is a darkness that could be felt. But the beauty of what the scripture says is that even though there was darkness in the land, there was light in the houses of the children of Israel. Hallelujah. He is going to keep us in his light if you're in the house. Now, let me hurry. <laughs> All right, now listen. This brings us to the book of Jude. When you read the book of Jude, I don't find it an accident that God placed it just before the book of Revelation. It's just before the book of Revelation. The Bible was put together by the Holy Spirit. And so that it is no accident, it is no uh, coincidence where the books are strategically placed. And I'm going to give you a little nugget here. It is a prophetic flow of the Spirit, how they unfold in the 27 books of the New Testament and in the 39 books of the Old. That's right. Now, Jude, he represents all of us because... The book of Revelation and its things are about to be unfolded. We've already gone through the first three chapters, which is the, the seven churches that were born in Asia Minor. But now things are accelerating, and I believe that Jude represents all of us in a sense. Now listen, Jude says in verse, he's writing his book, and this is a prophetic book. He's writing this book to to. To, to three things he identifies. Look at Jude chapter, uh, verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, who's he writing to? The sanctified of God the Father, the preserved in Jesus Christ, and the called. So what you're about to hear tonight is expressly for the sanctified of the Father, the preserved in the Lord, those who are being invited and called by his spirit. Amen. It is what he put forth, and it is what he sets the tone. And if you read here, what he goes on to say is, he says, in verse 3, he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, listen to this, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. 
Now, what the Lord was revealing to me was that Jude was just living his good Christian life. But suddenly, the Holy Spirit impacted him and radically revealed to him an incredible unfolding that will lead to the second coming of the Lord. Now, before we get to the mystery of Enoch, the seventh of Adam, consider what we're saying here, because what God is saying is that some of you have just been, and you listening around the world, some of you have just been going through your religious exercise. You love the Lord. You, you, you rejoice in his word. But you sense a stirring as your eyes are being opened by the Holy Spirit, and, and an anointing of the prophetic is coming upon you, as it did Jude. He said, I was just going to write to you about all the things that have to do with the gospel, but something got a hold of me, and I realized that what I had to say was it's time to contend for the faith. He said, we have to fight for it. And God began to open his eyes and say, look, he says to them, he says, I realize this because, because there are certain people over this time that the church has been growing that have crept in amongst the church. Now, this isn't just a stated truth. It's a prophetic declaration to our time. Yes, it was true in his day, but God declares, declares the end from the beginning. And so he says, he says, I was just living my Christian life. The Holy Spirit suddenly begins to open my eyes, and everything that I see around me now caused me to be changed from just a nominal person or a lover of the Lord into a right-on, bona fide apostle declaring to the church, Open your eyes because men have crept in amongst you who are full of the devil. <laughs> Am I preaching to the right people? Yes. All right. Now listen. There are certain men. They've crept in unaware. And he ties it to prophecy. Right? He says, he says they were of old ordained to this condemnation. They are ungodly men, and tell me this doesn't sound like today's doctrine, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. We got preachers holding Bible studies in bars. Right? <laughs> the pastor no longer leads them to the Holy Spirit to drink from the water of life. He cracks open Heineken with him and sits down and says, we're free to do this. We're under the grace of God. If you don't think it's so, then you have been asleep because it's rampant throughout the church. The pastor wasn't called to be your buddy. He was called to watch over your very soul. So leave him alone. And if he isn't praying, say, look, until you hit your knees, I'm out of here. Until you get right with God, I want to hear nothing from you. Until you're filled with the word of God, you ain't got nothing to say. If we would do that, we wouldn't have these churches filled with a bunch of unsaved people. The church was never meant to be a community center. 
my Lord. Listen, he's, what, what he saw changed him. What do you see tonight? What do you see when you look across our great nation? What do you see in the churches, whether it's emitting from the backslidden church in Australia called Hillsong, or whether it's the Gnostic corrupt gospel that's flooding and corrupting the church with the Kundalini spirit from Bethel in Reading, or whether it's the excess people who live in the so-called Bible Belt who have turned the gospel of Christ into a theater presentation and a money-making operation. Evil men crept in unaware. What do you see? And Job, I mean Jude, remember, he's not talking to everybody. He's talking to those that are sanctified by God himself and preserved and kept protected by Jesus, and they hear the call of God in this hour. That's who he's talking to. So if you can't understand what I'm telling you, then you're not sanctified, you're not preserved, and you don't hear him inviting you. But that's okay, because I know he has a people who can hear what the Spirit of God is saying. I know that he's reaching deep into your soul and telling you, come away with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now, he begins to draw their attention to this society gone mad. And you'll see in the next verse, he begins to lay out a series of three examples. The first thing he wants to tell them is, remember when God delivered Egypt, I mean Israel out of Egypt, he destroyed them in the wilderness. And he was saying that, in order to communicate, don't just think that because you were saved, you can live any old way that you want to. Because of their unbelief and their lack of consecration to God in the wilderness, when he brought them out, they all died. And the same thing will happen to you if you refuse to allow God to produce within you the image of his dear son. So he lays that out first. Remember, he says, consider, they were brought out, but they fell. And he's warning, saying the same to the church in this hour. Don't just think because you call yourself assembly of this or first church of that or church of this. Don't just think because you went down to an altar somewhere and said a few words. That's not salvation. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Many will come to me in that day and say, but Lord, we, we, we cast out devils. We, we, we prophesied. We did all this stuff in your name. And he'll say, get away from me. I don't even know you. We've done a great disservice by simply casting a net unto people who have no concept of what it truly means to be saved. The old timers knew this. They didn't do a little two or three minute prayer. And, 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 and I've been guilty of this. I've done this all over the world because that's what I was taught. And in the grace of God, I know people got saved and they were sincere. But the truth of the matter is, is that 
doesn't guarantee your salvation. If you're saved, we'll be able to look at your life and know that you are. I don't have to ask you by the way you live, by the way you pray, by the things you say, by the places you go, and the things you put your hand to. I will know whether you belong to him or whether you don't. He says, he says, then he draws their attention to the days of Noah. He says, now he's going down through history. And he says, remember the angels? You can't get much holier than that, he said. But they left their habitation. My God, I don't think you understand what we're talking about here. He's beginning to carry us down the road to the seventh from Adam. Because what he's about to reveal is the seventh from Adam is a type of that final generation. And so he starts with deliverance and then immediately takes us to Noah's day. When the angels left their first estate, left their own habitation in defiance of God. And he has reserved them in chains unto the judgment of the great day that's coming. Incredible. Jude sees all this out of a few false preachers that have come in the church. He was carried by the spirit of understanding and skill and wisdom and begins to talk about final day, final judgment, acts of God that end societies and civilizations. And he says, they left their first estate. We know the story. If you read Genesis 6, how the angels came down and, and the horrible mess that took place that led to the flood. The second thing he says is what? Sodom and Gomorrah. If you keep reading there, he, he mentions Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and he talks about them in verse 7, giving themselves to fornication, going after strange flesh. And he says what? These are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. He's saying what Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, these will be signs to you who are the sanctified, the preserved, and the call that that great day is upon us. He says that they speak, they devile their flesh. These dreamers defile their flesh. They despise dominion. That sounds like us right now. They want to throw off the shackles of morality. In open defiance, they speak against God. I saw signs being carried uh, where they blasphemed God. And they were trying to legitimize themselves at, at this parade they were at. And they were holding a sign saying, Jesus loves drag queens. He sent forth uh, 11 of them wearing dresses and, and, and reading books. He was, they were talking about the holy apostles. They despise dominion. They speak evil of the ordained ministers of God. And you, the church... They mock you. They're coming after us. Do you not remember? He draws our attention to Lot and Sodom because, remember, I was talking to Fernando about this a few days ago. Do you remember the pictures of when uh, 
the Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh was being confirmed, and then how they, they drew our attention to the Supreme Court itself, and there was all these people who had gathered outside the doors, and they were pounding on the doors, do you remember? What were they pounding about? They wanted the right for their gay marriages and to kill their babies. Do you not remember that when the angels came into Lot's house, they were outside the door pounding, trying to get in? Do you have eyes to see? Do you have ears to hear? He calls our attention to that. And then he says something so profound. He talks about Michael. And he says something. We might talk about this tomorrow night. I'm just going to throw it out there for your consideration. He talks and references a fight between Michael and the devil over the dead body of Moses. Why did the devil want the dead body of Moses? He's been trying all along to inhabit a body. Remember we talked about that Antichrist that's coming? So Jude lays out Noah's day. He lays out Sodom and Gomorrah and then references a fight over a body. A body that the devil wanted to take control of. It is what we read the other night, two nights ago, when we were talking about Apollyon who will come up out of the pit and go into perdition, go in to the son of perdition, go in to the Antichrist. He will be allowed in this day to finally inhabit a human body. Right now, he inhabits the souls of men by the essence of his spirit and the influence of demonic power. And in essence, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, he is that spirit that works in them, the children of disobedience. And we are the children of God, and the Holy Spirit works in and through us. There's two massive different churches on the planet. One the church of darkness, one the church of light. But he's never been able to take form. He has not been allowed to do it. He tried it back then. And if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, Jude puts it in the sequence this way because he was speaking by the Spirit saying, when you see uh, the occult, and like the angels who left their habitation and came into the earth, when you see the rampant rise of ungodly, unclean, filthy degradation and immorality break forth all over the world, he says, know that the body that was being fought over is a type of the body that Satan will be allowed to take control of. He will be called that wicked one. Three things. Then he opens it up. In verse 11, he says, he says, he gives us three examples. Again, he talks about who? In verse 11, he talks about Cain. He talks about Balaam, and he talks about Korah. He's speaking by the Spirit, and he's unveiling further signs and characteristics of what we, the, the, the sanctified, preserved, and invited, can see. 
he references Cain. First the fight over a body, then he goes right to Cain. What happened to Cain? Yes, we'll talk about that in a second. He was banished. Yes. And what else happened? He was marked. Have you not heard? Have you not read? Yes. There's a mark coming upon all the ungodly. That's what he was saying. And he says, he says, he says, first he mentions Cain. Remember this, when you read lists in your Bible, they're not there by accident or just because he thought of it that way. It is the Holy Spirit who inspired his prophets and apostles to write. And so if you can see and hear by the Spirit, he begins to unveil mysteries hidden. And in that, he says, first Noah's day, Sodom and Gomorrah together. Jesus said the same thing. There will be a body, only this time it won't be taken by Michael. It will be taken by the devil because he's been fighting for a body all the way back there. And then he says, after that body's taken control of, there will come a Cain-like situation. And what was indicative of Cain was a mark was given to him. So it shall be with all the ungodly, they shall receive a mark in this hour. And he says, also like our brother pointed out, he was a murderer. What does this speak of? It speaks of the persecution that's already breaking forth. We already see the spirit of Cain. It is the compromised worldly religious system that seeks to attack not just anybody, but those who approach God by way of the Lamb. And it is what the book of Revelation tells us, is it not? That, that woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, knowing that he has but a short time. And he goes forward to make war with the saints, with those that have the commandments of God, that's Israel, and those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ, that's the church. Both the, the, the godly Jew and the godly church shall be saved. The Jew will come to know his Messiah according to Zechariah in chapter 10 where we're told that just prior to the coming of the Lord that God will pour out upon them the spirit of grace and supplication and they will begin to have an anointing where their eyes will suddenly be opened and the veil will be taken away and they will begin to mourn for him as they're surrounded by their enemies with no help of deliverance and they will begin to mourn for him and look upon him through the spirit whom they did crucify or whom they pierced and they will cry blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord and fulfill what the Lord said you shall not see me here again until you cry blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord and the testimony of Jesus Christ the true church what is the testimony of Jesus Christ the spirit of prophecy and so you are about to be baptized with the spirit of prophecy. It is why the devil goes after them 
after the Abel's of the world, after us, church, because the anointing of Elijah will come upon the church just as it did in, in, the, in the beginning with John the Baptist and Elijah when he confronted the compromised church and said, let the God that be God answer by fire. If Baal is God, then serve him. But if God is God, then fall on your knees and repent and serve him. Cain, he says, will persecute Abel. And the devil in Revelation comes after those who know the prophecies. Why? Because he's trying to shut them up. Because they're exposing everything he's doing. They know the hour they're living in. Days of Noah, days of Lot, a body will be taken by the enemy. A mark will be given and persecution will come to the true church who worships God by the way of the cross and the tomb and the resurrection, the blood of the lamb, as Abel did. See, we don't like to hear this, this part. But the truth is our brothers and sisters are already dying. That spirit is already moving. Years ago, maybe three or four or five years ago, a, a missionary friend of mine sent me a picture of, of a father, I say this delicately, who was holding a child who had been martyred by ISIS. They killed his wife because she refused to accept Allah and renounce Jesus. And they forced him to watch as they killed his wife and baby in front of him so that he would be scarred forever. But all he had to do was say to his wife and baby, accept this Muhammad. So much for a religious of peace, right? That lie they try to tell you. Like this Ilhan Omar, who's, who's speaking blasphemous things against the people of God in Israel. Right. And she's all up in our Congress. Right. It's a spirit. It's Cain coming for Abel. It's here. It's not coming. It's here. It's begun, and it's going to increase. And what we don't like to hear is what is revealed in Scripture all along, is that it's coming, and that some will be required to lay down their life, even as the church in the early days had to. Well, that scares me, Brother Marty. It scares me too. But I also know, as I've read these great accounts of these great, uh, wonderful brothers who gave their blood in defiance against a world that is perishing, in declaring that Jesus is Lord and I will not bow the knee. I read where it said like a special grace and anointing would come on them. They weren't cowering in fear. They weren't shaking in their sandals. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't asking for mercy. They were singing hymns to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Somebody say glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So whether you're appointed to that or whether we survive unto his coming, it makes no difference. 
for we belong to him. We are the sanctified of God the Father. We are the preserved in Christ Jesus. We are being invited and called to something far more glorious, far more grand, far more marvelous than anything this old world has to offer. Hallelujah. Cain, he says. Then he goes to Balaam. What was Balaam indicative about? He taught the king. He said, I can't touch him, but I'll teach you how to get to him. They picture, he pictures a, a, a spirit of evil and wickedness that unleashes idolatry amongst the people of God. Not all, but many. It's this whole system. Yes, it's this whole system. He's, he's saying there's a mark coming. There's a body that's going to come controlled by the devil. There's, there's a noatic and, and lot like Sodom and Gomorrah society that will emerge in the last days, he says. And, and, and there will be a persecution from that wicked religious uh, Babylonian system that has been prompted to take a mark and embrace everything that is pseudo-spiritual. And they will turn their wrath on the Lamb of God, his church, and they will come against them. But those who are yet to be enticed during this time, a spirit of idolatry will be unleashed in the church at the same time. And then he says, Korah. This is that type of the false prophet. For he stands against the authority of the ordained, anointed vessels of God. That's what he did with Moses, remember? He, he questioned his authority. He stood against him. And so this false prophet will point the finger at the anointed of God and say, they're the only one. They're always the ones causing trouble. They think they're all that. What makes them better than you? But you know the story. The earth's going to open up and swallow them alive. Listen. Well, him and the 250 priests came with incense. And they, they, they were trying to demonstrate that they too were a church and the anointed. Nadab and Abihu, which were Aaron's sons earlier, had gone into the into the tabernacle in the wilderness and burnt strange fire, remember? But it's the same principle. It's fake spirituality. It's fake anointing. It is what we see. Yeah. And, and so, so he comes to Enoch. And oh, this is where the shouting starts. Because he's revealing so profoundly so the pattern of prophetic history that will lead to something. Listen, whenever you see numbers in the Bible, it is prophetic. In this case, if you'll read it and study it out, you'll see that Jude presents things in a series of three. 
Korah, I mean, uh, Cain, uh, Balaam, Korah. Uh, the angels who left their estate, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and Moses fighting over that. There's threes, threes, threes. Now he gets to the sixth, I mean the seventh, and he begins to talk about Enoch. And therein is the final signal and the alert to us. Because he says at the end when all these things are manifested, there's an Enoch-like church that will be there. And, and what does he say about Enoch? Remember I said he goes after those that have the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy? It says, but Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied. And what did he prophesy? Yes, hallelujah. Jesus is coming. How? That's what he started prophesying. He said, my God, oh, yes, my Lord is coming back again real soon. That's what he said. <laughs> yes, our Lord is coming back again real soon. That old Satan will be bound a thousand years when my Jesus comes back to earth again. You know that song? Let's sing that one verse before I finish. Well, yes, my Lord is coming back again real soon. Yes, my Lord is coming back to earth again. Old Satan will be bound. I thought you knew it. <laughs> we'll be bound. You're messing up my message. <laughs> Are you ready? Well, yes, my Lord is coming back to earth again, right? Yes, my Lord is coming back to earth again. All Satan will be found. A thousand years, we're going to have no tempter there. Right. When my Jesus comes back to earth again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now listen. <laughs> I can only hit that note up here once. <laughs> I feel for you, Brother Adrian. <laughs> My God. So he says, he says, okay, all y'all, I'm talking to you sanctified. I'm talking to you who are guarded and protected by Jesus. You who hear the voice of the call, the anointing of Enoch, Elijah, John the Baptist, all the great prophets of old are coming down upon you. All right? And then he says, he, he draws our attention to him. And this is the message. I don't know. I never know what to preach, Brother Marty. Preach Jesus is coming. <laughs> That's the message. He is coming. In, in, he's coming in, in dreams as well. Some of you, and I was going to say that earlier, but I wasn't sure if I should, because I had dreams last night. Attacked by the enemy. And I got up, and in the, in the name of Jesus, I said, you get out of my dream life. You have no authority here. But some of you have been being hit in that way. But take authority over it in the name of Jesus. And plead the blood of Jesus over yourself, over your mind, over your children, before you go to bed. And, and, and so he's revealing, he's speaking. Remember what it said in, about uh, uh, when when the judgment was going to come down and they were going to kill all the babies, it said that God warned Joseph 
in a dream. The, the issue that I see there is a beautiful thing in that Joseph was a man of discernment. The angel told him, get the baby out of here. We're going to receive divine instruction, whether it's by dream, by vision, by the word. The Lord will show us. If we're the sanctified, the preserved, and the called. Now listen. Let's close with this. Go over to Genesis chapter 5, and we'll close. Are you still with me? Are you learning anything? Praise God. How about you listening? Are you learning anything? Praise God. <laughs> so Brother Marty lost his mind. He's talking to people that ain't even there. <laughs> oh, they're there. I can feel them by the thousands and thousands of them. These words that have been being preached here and in the churches and where you guys are, they're getting ready to go out all over. I know. By the Spirit of God. We ain't going to have to advertise anything. They're going to be drawn to them, His people. Notice? Amen. And we, have a, we already have a consistent audience, right, on, on the website? Of, I, I don't know what they, Facebook has done, but it's always around 1,700, 2,000 people. Whenever there's a new message, they don't all access it, but they all follow us. They all come to the website to see what's up. Well, they're about to be hit with something. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> now, listen. Let's close with this. So he gives us the prophetic pattern. Remember, six, there were six days of creation, right? We know from the word of God, Psalm 90, verse 4, I believe, where Moses said a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and as yesterday, when it passes, it is as a watch in the night. It's a prophetic key. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, says, Remember this, that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. They were revealing to us, as do the early rabbinic writings tell us, that the six days of creation were a prophetic pattern that represents, according to the word of Moses, and on our, our, our side, Peter's word quoting Moses, that 6,000 years turning into the 7,000th year has been apported, apportioned for mankind upon the earth. Remember, when God made Adam, it speaks of his fullness. And so it is when mankind reaches its fullness, then shall come man's day of rest. Because... Remember, we are entering into the seventh day right now. Now, it's interesting that Enoch was the what from Adam? The seventh. the seventh. And his generation, he prophesied the coming of the Lord. Now, listen. He says this, because this is what's going to happen. Some of us are in different places here, but look what happened to Enoch. Because what the Lord told me to tell you is that something is either happening, going to happen, or has already begun to happen to you, as it will Enoch. Look what it says about Enoch in verse 21, and we'll hurry. He says, verse 21, Enoch lived 65 years, and he begat Methuselah, right? Now check this out. And Enoch walked with God, 
after he begat Methuselah. Do you know that Methuselah's name means when he dies, it shall come? He named his son that. When he dies, it shall come. You have to get into the root Hebrew to find that. On the surface, it means a man who pierces with a javelin. But the root words, as you break it down, it has the same meaning because it means a man and death, right? Well, when he get into the root words of the Hebrew, his name literally means when he dies, it will come. So what this tells us is that at the age of 65, Enoch was just going about his business. But something happened to him. God revealed something to him at the birth of his son. What he revealed to him was that judgment is coming. And after he began to have this revelation, it says in the next verse that he begins to walk with God. His life is radically altered because he knew something. Do you see it? And the days of Enoch, look, and Enoch walked with God, what? After. It doesn't say he walked with God before that, but afterwards. And I looked up the word walked because it gives us an indication of what is going and what must be happened to. At that point when he began to realize something, Enoch, the word walk means to be continually in a conversation with God, both to die and to live. This is what we're being called to. We are being brought into a different, wake up church, a different level with God. As he reveals what I'm talking to you about, your eyes will be open and a, a, a completely different walk with God is about to come upon you if it has not already happened. And what it will produce in your walk as we mature is a continual conversation with God, and we can say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That is dying to my will, dying to my ambitions, dying to the lusts of my flesh, dying to all the things that weight me down in the carnal realm and becoming spiritually minded, which is life and peace. Now, praise the Lord. Now, listen. In the interim, it says, after he begins to be conversant, it says what? And he begat sons and daughters. What does that mean? Church, get ready for the greatest revival of souls you have ever seen. Your loved ones are going to get saved. If, if, if you become conversant with him, lay down your life and take upon you the life of your Lord. Sons and daughters are about to be born. And here's, here's the revelation. Paul said, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall not all die. But we shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. To the Thessalonians, he said, the dead in Christ, they're going to rise first. But we which happen to be alive at that time, we're going to be seized or snatched up into the clouds and forever will be with the Lord. Look at the pattern of Enoch, what Jude was telling us, 
what he was hiding. He said, great revival, people getting saved. And then he says, the last thing he said was, uh, in Genesis, he says, and so Enoch walked with God, and he was not. Why? God took him. He's coming. And he's going to take us away. He's going to take you and me away. I'm looking at the signs of his returning. Won't be long. Might just be today. Hallelujah. Let's close with Matthew, Mark 13. We'll close with this, I promise. I've kept you here a long time tonight, I think. My God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above. Thank you. <laughs> I couldn't see him. <laughs> he says, look what Jesus says. Are you there? Mark 13. Verse 19, 13, 19. For in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of creation, which God created until this time, neither shall be. And except that the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. 13, 20. But for the elect's sake, whom what he has sanctified or chosen, hmm, he will shorten those days. And then, speaking of our time, I believe, if any man say to you, the anointing is over here, the anointed one is over here, or he's over there, don't believe him. It's deception. Because many false anointed ones, many false prophets are going to rise. They'll even show signs, like gold dust, feathers, and crazy stuff like that. Wonders. But for what? to seduce, if it were possible, you and me, the very elect. Well, geez, how can you call yourself the elect? Because I am. I know in whom I believe. And I know he's delivered me. I know he's washed me. I know he's filled me. I know he's saved me. And I know he's written my name in the Lamb's book of life. I am his elect. He says, but, <laughs> but take heed. Behold, I have told you ahead of time or foretold all these things. But in those days, after what? The tribulation. The sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven, that's speaking of the demonic powers, they will be shaken. Then they, who? The devil and his angels and the wicked on the world. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Now listen, Enoch walked with God, and he was not because God took him. Jesus says, when I come, then will I send my angels, and I will gather together my elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. Hallelujah. It's God's word. Look what he says in verse 35. Watch ye therefore. Watch. Be awake. For, 
for you know not when the master of the house is coming, at evening, at midnight, or in the morning. I think Jesus knew the earth was round, huh? <laughs> when it's morning on one side, it's midnight on the other. <laughs> That's what he means. Be watching. And then he says this. Lest coming suddenly, he finds you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all you guys at Cardinal Village and around the world, keep watching. Keep looking up. For our redemption draws nigh. Enoch, the seventh from Adam. Jesus is coming. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet? Amen. Hallelujah. Are you glad you came? Yes. Hallelujah. Told you I had a secret. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to heaven. Would you, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, for his great, great and mighty sacrifice in that he laid down his life that we might be redeemed unto you. And he gave his life as a ransom for many. He cried out that day on the final day of the feast, If any man thirst, let him come unto me, and I will give him living water. O oh Lord, help us to be awake and not asleep. Seal the word which you have brought forth this night in the hearts of those that are gathered here, in the children's minds and hearts, in the families, the parents. Let us walk in the revelation, O oh Lord, of the, re the revealing truth that those who are being called out by you, they know who they are. They're hearing your voice. Comfort them in that many sons and daughters were born to Enoch, even so, every single one of their loved ones that they are believing you for, they shall be born into the kingdom of Almighty God. And Father, I thank you in the presence of thy church and those that are listening around the world for the great miracle that you brought to my house, the house of my wife and our family this day, and that I can honestly say and I know that all my children are now saved and in the kingdom of God. And that is my prayer for everyone that is here and every one of you who hear the voice of the Spirit listening around the world. I pray for their families, Father, and I bless them. And I thank you that nothing is impossible for you. And that if you need to send an angel as you did to take Lot out of Sodom, I know you will do the same, for you are the same yesterday, today, and forever for your people, world without end. And Father, we thank you that the coming of the Lord is drawing near. Help us, Holy Spirit, to stay awake and not be asleep to be lovers of thy word, to be conversant with our God, to be sanctified and preserved, and to answer the invitation to come away with our Lord. Keep us, O oh Father, in thy light. And we thank you for thy word this night. We bless your people and those listening around the world. If you don't know Jesus Christ where you are, reflect in your heart and truly make that decision. It is not a decision that you make lightly, or you can't just say a few words and it, it'll happen to you. Really reflect and truly give your heart to him and confess him as your Lord and as your Savior and serve him. Be filled with his spirit and you shall be saved. And so I pray for you right where you are. Call out to him and he will reveal himself to you.
This coming Sunday, I pray that you would all go to church and be blessed. And Father, as we have one more day remaining in this little conference, we pray that you would visit us through the night and throughout the day tomorrow. And I ask, oh Lord, you would fill this place with your glory. We thank you and once again bless the staff of this place and their families. And we bless all those who came this evening and even those who didn't. We pray for them and their families, for our city, for our nation, and for thy church around the world. And all God's people said in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Go ahead and clap your hands and praise the Lord. Once again, we'd like to thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Now, don't forget to subscribe for the latest message. And if you would like more information about our ministry or you would like to give, you can go ahead and visit us at www.worldharvestministries.net. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. And as we say here in World Harvest Ministries, keep looking up. God bless.